0: Um, okay, so the last thing on the agenda for today's meeting is we want to go over the expense report for Magnolia Mindset, LLC. Um, so first expense is $150 for Lacola. Cola. Um, next up, we have $500 for AstroFest tickets. Um, the next one, though, I'm a little confused on. We have a $250 charge to Patreon. Um, does anyone know what that's about? Cassidy. Uh, I can
1: tell you what that's about. It's about people before party. It's about ideas before identity. Outcomes before allegiances. If you believe in those statements, uh, you will appreciate that $250 charge to Patreon.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, See, what we've decided to invest in is the presidential (laughs) tier of brandy cruz's new patreon undivided and i just want you guys to know it's more than just a place to talk politics all right guys it's a mission uh oh. yeah she's bringing her commitment no scratch that our <laughs> or commitment, commitment to bridging the divide into the community and you know, I, I just feel like we got to get in on this, guys. We got to get in on the ground floor with 980 of our best friends.
1: Yeah. And because we've joined the presidential level for $250 with our Mechanical Freak Patreon funds, <laughs> we have, in addition to the all the benefits of the other tiers, such as getting access to her new uh, Patreon-only politics talk show, We will receive two invites to a yearly meet and greet hosted by Brandy Cruz. And I guess the only thing to figure out is which two of us get to go every year. No, I I think we all get to go as a
2: unit. (laughs) We purchased one patron subscription. We get to go as a unit.
1: Maybe we can kind of trade off and like come in and out of the venue and trade wristbands.
2: What if we all got on each other's shoulders and just wore a really big trench coat?
1: Four of us in a trench coat and Munya uh, as the plus one. <laughs> Perfect.
0: I mean, it worked for Astrofest. So,
1: <laughs> well, you
2: know, I'm glad you guys are all on board. Um, and sad news for all our listeners uh, there's only room for 50 presidential level uh, patrons. And it looks like 10%, five. See that math there, Greg? Five slots just taken right off the bat there. Well, wait, hold
3: on, hold on, Brian. This is actually uh, put on by Live Nation, and they informed me that (laughs) instead of just fifty people, there can be five hundred people there. Um, They say that the capacity is fine if you like make it make it squeeze a little bit. Hey, look, gotta increase the capacity if you want to peek at those feet. work as always <laughs> you know it, it is it is funny how like and we'll get into it in the patreon of course but like it is funny how like live nation is not mentioned once like in reporting when they're like saying the promoter they're always just the promoter you know <laughs> it's yeah. like a really big like <laughs> Hey, yeah it definitely
2: wasn't
4: <laughs> written on the tickets or anything or
2: in all yeah. the promotional material <laughs>
4: um, is that like a relationship with the promoter or something with various like journalism outlets?
0: I'm sure, to yeah, yeah, to absolutely. Yeah. It's
5: deference De- yeah. to the
2: fucking yeah. owners. That's deference all deference to capital yeah. and li- like promoters, show promoters like Live Nation are
1: like the last people who buy advertising space. It's okay. it's that it. when you're writing a news story like that, you know you're accusing someone of fucking crimes that resulted in people's death, and you're not going to do that you know, you're not even going to involve someone's name who owns things. <laughs> if <laughs> you can possibly, uh, avoid it.
0: Okay. Does someone want to bring us
1: in or? Oh, sure. Oh, um, Justin, do you want to
4: bring us? In?
0: <laughs> yeah, Justin.
4: Yeah. I don't really, I'm more of a
1: reply guy on this type of stuff. <laughs> okay. fair. <laughs> fair.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> good, <laughs> a good answer. Uh, Welcome back to Mechanical Freak. I'm on the boat. Everybody else is coming to me live via satellite. I am on the boat. Uh everything, all of this revolves around me being on the boat. Everyone is here for me to see via satellite. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's Mechanical Freak. Uh, we're in Seattle. The uh I don't remember what we call it. Uh I'm here. I'm Greg. We've got Munya. <laughs> Hey guys. We've got Brian. <laughs> hey. We've got Cassidy.
0: Hey. Uh
1: our friend Justin is here. <laughs> Hello. The city that never sleeps. That's what we are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh
1: we never sleep when we do this fucking podcast. At, no. That's the truth, night. Um no Colin again this week, uh which is why that intro sucked obviously. Uh <laughs> we we hope to rescue him from his uh well, What's he's st- that giant block uh, block dorm prison?
4: That's yeah, from Munger is. Hall. Munger
1: Hall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. been in the depths of Muncher
2: Hall. Yeah. Colin remains kidnapped from the trick or treating incident from mm-hmm. last week. So, again, mm-hmm. if anybody has seen him, uh, let us know. Yeah.
1: So, Sad um, stuff. to everyone out there who keeps. Saying, oh, you should change your name back to Seattle Sucks. Uh, uh
3: Losers. <laughs> well, you
1: you might have a point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please don't leave our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> because um Seattle Seattle sucks, guys. It really does. We hate it. We hate it here.
3: Awful.
0: Greg just well, I, pulled out a tissue. He's shedding a tear.
2: Yeah, I feel like with this tone, it must be.
1: election season
0: yay! i'm a
2: non-voter
1: so you guys have to tell me (laughs) 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 you think he's joking folks um i know we just did an election episode last week but that was a pre-election episode this is a post-election episode last week's episode was full of uh, visions and dreams fantasies high-flying reveries uh, of things to come This week we bring it back down to earth to the uh, neoliberal hell that we all.
0: We were so young and naive last week. Yeah, (laughs) sad.
1: Those races uh, went bad, folks. They went very bad.
2: Oh well, look. Let's not spoil it. Let's go through the results. Uh, Let's let's hit our election correspondent, special election correspondent. What do you got for us, Cassidy?
0: OK, so, yeah, let's start with the mayoral race. Um, and, you know, we did make the prediction last week that Lorena was probably not going to win. Um, didn't really expect it to be this much of a blowout. But Bruce, I did. Bruce, also didn't really care. Gio, yeah, there I did. <laughs> so I Bruce, be like
4: 10 points. Yeah.
0: I thought it would be like 10. Yeah. So Bruce Harrell got 58.77% with about 153,000 votes. And Lorena got 40.92% with 107,000 votes. So, I mean, a solid like forty fifty thousand 50,000 vote difference, which is, yeah, that's rough. 18,
2: that's, 18 that's points. A that's point. a whipping. That's uh, getting
0: beat. <laughs> I mean, not only the biggest margin, but I, you know, something that I, I, uh, Posted the hot take on Twitter that uh I mean I think her loss is the most pathetic quite frankly because she gave up her city council seat um and lost to fucking Bruce Harrell like so it's just it's L's on yeah. top of L's. She's like, an
1: incumbent city council president. Most sort of name recognition probably on the city council outside of Shama Swan who has like international name recognition. Right. Uh, but like so did Bruce Harrell. Bruce Harrell was a long time incumbent until. 2 years ago when he stepped down when he didn't run on, again in 2019 and he was fucking like the council president that and this isn't really like a case of like you know a, like a conservative beating a progressive or something this is like a like a really quintessential like Seattle election in that you have two people who are democrats who literally both call themselves progressive. Um, but one is like a, you know, center-right progressive, a uh, Seattle progressive, and one is a center-left uh, progressive, I guess, in that she was, uh, you know, labor-aligned and briefly, very briefly flirted with, you know, vaguely endorsing the possibility of making cuts to Seattle Police Department in twenty twenty. Um and but the, you know, the the guy who won, Bruce Harrell, is yeah, just a smug, incurious, reactionary football dullard. Um who wants to like throw pizza parties for the police if they don't shoot people and um get rid of the homeless by any means necessary. Uh but do it with love, I guess.
4: I mean, Bruce Harrell has like lived in Seattle. A long time, like a lot of people know him. A lot of people, yeah. I think, who voted for Nikita also voted for Bruce Harrell, and people should yeah, the numbers unpack that, that a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is like this isn't like a case of like ideology playing out in some important way here in this election. This is just two individual political personalities with their individual brands, whose actual politics. Are barely indistinguishable um and so you know uh bruce harrell ran a better campaign and was just more appealing than the and more consistent frankly than the sort of waffling uh you know backing away you know doing the the barest minimum to endorse like reducing police budget and then like backing away from it and that's kind of where lorena was on everything you know
0: yeah, no, I think that's a huge component, like as much as you might not like Bruce's platform, like it's really clear on where he's at, where like with Lorena, like I still don't know what she ran on. Like, I have no idea. Um, you have to campaign so, to know those things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and again, it's I mean, the the moment I saw the tweet that was like, email us if you'd like to volunteer. I was like, oh, so they're not running a serious campaign. OK, cool. Um <laughs> email to sign up to volunteer it's just like what the fuck that's so a, yeah uh
2: that's what we call in the biz a call to action right? <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: um so yeah you know again not only did Lorena get just totally demolished by Bruce but you know she gave up her position nine city council seat um and because of that we now have Sarah Nelson um well, so well, go, yeah go
2: ahead before, before we move on I, can we just Go Over real quick, uh, because I think Lorena is now not a good politician but wants to be a politician, like, uh, long term. Can we get some future predictions for Lorena? <gasps> what does Lorena go from here? Because this is pretty embarrassing.
3: I think I mean, that Lorena actually goes into private practice after this. I think that this is a way for her to kind of like you know take a break from public office and go back into private practice. Maybe, yeah, I feel like she's over it. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong,
0: but. I mean, I mean, it'd be w- it'd be wild if she, like, ran against CHOP or something, but that's never going to happen, so... And why,
3: why would she, like, run for, like, a state Senate or, like, a state House seat when she yeah. was, like, city council, too? That seems like a downgrade.
0: I mean, yeah.
3: Is she a lawyer? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so the time on her tradition
1: of being a lawyer for two years and then running for another seat. Yeah, I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can't take the psychosis out of these people, like... <laughs> She saw she must have seen this as a stepping stone to higher office. She would have been wrong about that because a mayor of a big city is a fucking dead end. Dead end.
4: Well, remember yeah. she ran for uh sweat state uh attorney general or whatever and
3: then immediately oh, yeah, right.
4: retracted
3: her when, announcement. when when Inslee she made the big was video. about to be tapped for yeah. um for oh, Biden's cabinet, right? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait,
0: do you do you think she would want to get appointed to the Secretary of State role or no?
1: I mean, I, I, she would take it if asked, I bet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't
0: know. Just throwing that out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think your next step should be, you know, fuck the city level. Yeah, go to the state level, do something up there if yeah. you can. Now, mm-hmm. the way this campaign ran, I mean, obviously.
1: Yeah, it makes it hard to get her be, ability yeah, to do it. Because, yeah. because it wasn't <laughs> even like she was running against a Republican, like it would be in oh, yeah. some political context in America yeah. where like you, people care that you lost because you have, People were fundraising on your name or something. No, it's not this. This is just two Democrats duking yeah, it out in a city right? that are have the same politics. Like, so she's essentially nothing. Like, <laughs> like there's nothing to be gained from that brand. Well, one last
2: note: uh, Bruce Harrell is uh, worth fifteen million. <laughs> so we've kept a millionaire in the mayor's office. And that's oh, yeah. really the most Thank important God. thing. Yeah. Is yeah. yeah.
4: I mean, all is right.
3: <laughs> they're the millionaires because they're smart. So exactly. <laughs> and he's immune to
1: corruption because he already has money. You know,
0: yeah, there you go. There you you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So,
1: so that's the race. Like we kind of, I, I barely care about. Um, right. The other two that we're going to talk about here. Uh, I definitely care about more. I've been saying since, like all for all year that this, the first like local election in Seattle, since the absolute high watermark of people giving a shit about local politics, uh, you know, the 2020 uprisings, I've been saying that this would make, uh, that would, that makes this election like a referendum on that, on the uprisings, on the idea and the word defund, um, uh, abolitionist politics entering sort of the local political discourse here and everywhere, but certainly in Seattle. And the thing is uh, it, it was that for better or worse, I guess worse. Like it was a referendum on that. And now we know where we know where the politics, like where everything lies in Seattle. Well, Cassidy, how'd that referendum go?
0: Yeah. So again, to support, First, let's look at the Council Position 9 uh, race where Sarah Nelson won with 137,000 votes, 54%. Nikita Oliver lost with 117,000 votes at 45%. <laughs> oh,
5: Perennial
2: loser, Sarah Nelson gets elected. Finally. Incredible. That's so yeah.
1: fucking funny. Her dream. He, and uh, just like uh, the perfect candidate for this uh you know dem stronghold neoliberal hell that we live in an academic political scientist who has been in fucking machine politics in city hall in and out for years and years you know worked for um uh tim conlin. Burgess, uh or no uh yeah wait, wait, no not for Burgess. conlin yeah conlin yeah yeah perfect a small business owner um you know, who has like a personal story to tell about how much she hates the homeless and wants to uh, to get them out of her neighborhood and away from her business and her house, you know? Perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't
2: it important, though, that we finally are going to get to hear from the small business owner? Yeah. Isn't that the voice
1: that's been missing in this conversation? Absolutely. In America, in Seattle. (laughs) uh, Incredible. And this is the race where I think I certainly thought there was the strongest chance of a of the again this is you know this is this was a race between a democrat an establishment democrat whose most sort of progressive stance was her environmentalism which she kept touting um which just makes you just want to throw like ferns at her and tell her to shut up like environmentalism's dead it didn't work go fuck yourself but um she kept just talking about that like no no I've been an environmentalist since the 1980s uh, you know you know when and it global warming was uh, <laughs> slowly like uh, making the planet uh, warmer she's an anti littering activist yeah yeah, yeah. yes so. yes she's a fucking like a paper straws uh, crusader or some shit yeah, uh, surely
3: ex- in the 80s, she didn't um, concern uh, anything about overpopulation or anything. I'm sure that that's <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yeah. Sure okay. it never crossed <laughs> her lips. But I bet she did wear a Save the Whales t-shirt
1: at one point. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. um, no, but
0: I mean, but I is- think uh, I was going to say, I think that this is like kind of similar to what we said with Lorena and Bruce, which is that, you know, unfortunately, even though we know this isn't true, Sarah Nelson called themselves a progressive. And so that makes it really easy for... "Quote unquote progressive Seattle, aka centrist neolibs, like to vote for someone like Sarah Nelson. Um, I mean, I'd love to hear, yeah, Justin and munia's thoughts because they worked closely on the campaign. What are What are you guys thinking for Sarah
2: Nelson? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. Explain the win, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um. Yeah, I mean, Sarah Nelson did have a stronghold, especially like in like you know like wealthier sectors of Seattle, like um you know Ballard, uh, my home neighborhood. I saw a lot of Sarah Nelson. Uh, like basically all it was it was just Sarah Nelson country, and like the whole. Um, I guess precinct breakdown really emphasizes that in Magnolia, um, you know, in Wallingford, like a lot of North Seattle was like strong on Sarah Nelson. Um, I think because like Sarah Nelson's politics kind of do represent the default of those, um, areas. And I think people generally aren't thinking that, you know, strongly, but there are a lot of, you know, like property owners there and they want to still feel good about, you know, being progressive. And I think, naturally like Sarah Nelson would be that candidate. So I think it's up for the op- to the opposition to you know re- relay a different message and actually kind of reach out there to, you know, win over some votes. I'm I, like my two cents is that if you look
5: at Teresa's numbers, which we'll get to, um, but you know, if you look at Teresa's numbers versus um, you know, Nikita's numbers in position nine, you'll see that uh the one big difference is that Teresa was able to appeal to people in North Seattle as well and yeah. were able to win yeah. their votes. Um, that's and I the think other
1: that, citywide council seat. That yes, was up. that's position yeah. eight. Yeah, yeah. Both yeah. of these and, were um, city council, citywide. Yeah. yeah. And, eight,
0: and just uh, because we're talking about it. So Teresa got 59% with about 147,000 votes. And her opponent, Kenneth Wilson, who is literally just a joke like that ran on like west seattle bridge i guess he looks
5: like a 2002 mm-hmm. super which is dude. not a um, bad thing to run on by <laughs> yeah, the way
0: yeah but like that was literally want it that right fucking bridge. yeah and yeah mm-hmm. he got a hundred thousand votes 40 percent um yeah well but, you know i think to echo what Munya said is you know not only is it that it's very natural for these types of voters to just uh, you know, go towards someone like Sarah Nelson. I think the other thing, too, is like so people either voted for Sarah or they just didn't vote. I think that the people mm. that maybe we would have expected to vote for Nikita, specifically young people, they did not vote like at all. And so, you know, I do want to be careful when we talk about like, oh, Seattle like had a referendum against you know, uh, the BLM protests and stuff like that, because the reality is, and this isn't to shit on like any campaigns or workers or anything, but like when we're seeing like 9% margins and 4% margins, like with, uh, Nicole, which we'll get to here in a minute, that's, that really what it comes down to is we just need more young people to vote. Like if we had a couple thousand more young people voting, we would win these races. Um,
1: yeah, it was, it's uh, this off odd year, fairly low turnout i think still if i'm not mistaken a bigger turnout than four years ago 2017 but still yeah what like i, I mean i can't
0: remember which way it was but it was like the ele- same I, voters I, right i think that i think it was like the same as 2017 but less than 2019 um okay. or maybe it's flipped i can't remember but um yeah you know again i think that And we talked about this with uh, Kamau and Doji when he came when they both came on the podcast, which is that like, you know, maybe we really need to be looking at the even versus odd year elections. And, you know, I don't know that we could ever really get our um, I don't know if that's like a state legislature thing or a citywide sort of thing where we need to get that changed. And I don't really know if you know, corporate and neolib Dems would want to flip something like that, because they know what that means. And they know that it leads to them winning more often. But like, yeah, the reality is, is young people don't vote in these off year elections. And so whether that means we just need to do a better job of organizing and turning people out, or we need to do some more like structural work at like actually making it more accessible. Um, but you know, to that argument like we're one of the states that does have one of the most accessible voting systems in the country we have mail-in voting 16 year olds can register to vote and so again I do think that it really comes down to you know young people they obviously were engaged with with the um, the protests and things like that but I think that a lot of young people legitimately just think like why the fuck should I vote so unless Which we is have valid. those yeah it's extremely valid oh. so I mean unless we like take the time to actually have those conversations and I'm not talking about just like social media posts or community listening posts I'm talking about like actual like conversations and community building then yeah like our candidates aren't gonna win
2: um what I if I could throw something out there as well and feel free to throw it right on back if you guys don't like it but uh I think we Felt fairly confident last week that of all these races that Nikita probably had the best chance to win. Yes, and I think we based that on the idea that we thought Nikita had these like strong roots in the community and stuff. And I think that maybe what this is showing is that that is not true. And I think before you know this comes up as just some sort of attack on Nikita, I think that during the protests we all wanted to believe that there was somebody who could. You know, exert leadership, right? Who had the bona fides and the connections to be able to do it? And we wanted to believe that because it's uh, mildly terrifying to think that there isn't anybody and that we're adrift. And uh, I got to tell you, I think we're adrift.
1: Yeah, I think, I, that, I think that's the my takeaway from them. that's that's where I'm at as well because I think like, and I said this, you know, about exactly that about Nikita being at, in those moments like the person most available to be that leader. Um, And I think like what this shows is that that was ultimately a low bar that the bar for organization in the working class and for the leadership that that would generate is insanely fucking low. It's basically non-existent. And so while I think it is still true that Nikita um, among other possibilities for a a candidate in this type of race had, you know, maybe in what a more cynical sort of political strategizing, you would just call name recognition. Mm -hmm. Um, But had, you know, some, some of that name recognition and some history in the community of organizing that people who were sympathetic to their politics, recognize a new and trusted on some level, but it's a matter of degree. It just wasn't nearly enough what we're seeing because the reason you would say that the reason I would say that that is what was necessary and what could bring someone across the finish line and win a race like this is specifically because that some level of engagement in the community and history and trust there is what would potentially drive the turnout. So the way that you get across this line in a low turnout, uh, off year election with a radical candidate is because you have is only if you have the organizing base, the organized base to bring out voters. And what we're seeing is that whatever, to whatever degree that was true about Nikita, it was not enough to do this and not, not by a lot, frankly, the
4: Nikita campaign did have probably by far the best field in the race, unless you want to consider like uh, Lorena with like MLK canvassing for her, like I think the king, the MLK labor Council MLK king labor, labor, yeah. Labor king
5: MLK labor. Yeah. 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 By yeah. the yeah. way, you yeah. got
4: MLK knocking doors for you, and you <laughs> lost. Yeah. <Damn>. MLK <laughs> labor <laughs> canvassed very hard for Lorena. G yeah. Not not as much for Nikita. So hard that
5: Lorena didn't have any
4: field operation. <laughs> I know, no, yeah. literally.
0: Yeah. Yep.
4: Mm -hmm. I think Nikita was still on their lit, but like in smaller, you know, text. It was all about Lorena. (laughs) They showed up Um, for, they
1: they did host some um, canvases for Nikita, I believe. But yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Um, I don't know. Like as far as turnout, like I think a
4: big part of it is just like, and I mean, this is true with with like Lorena. It's a little bit true of like Bernie. And uh, I think true for the Nikita campaign as well. It's like you have this laundry list of, like policies like housing for all um which is good it's like the good answer to homelessness but like working people intrinsically do not believe that's actually going to happen like uh there's not like uh you need like a politics that suggests that's actually going to happen and i feel like um nikita's campaign in 2017 was like a little bit stronger on those politics like more like uh Anti-gentrification, like going after developers, um, and I didn't see that as much. At least, like in the in the in the mainstream kind of like you know, on Nikita's website, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. I think in in debates that came through pretty well. But like, how many people are paying attention to these
1: debates? Well, that may be part of the quixotic nature of running these races. Is the reality, which I mean, I, we talked about even. It, when endorsing Nikita and encouraging people to go out and canvas the reality that none of that shit was going to happen <laughs> that the, the instrumental thing here was having a radical person like that on the council to talk about those things and like be someone who would uh, make it harder to do the shittiest things that the city wanted to do and basically a theoretical and rhetorical project um that may might have seen some moderate like tangible gains over four years but not much i mean that was the reality of that race and yeah maybe that's just that just doesn't work the yeah, other totally... thing
5: oh yeah go ahead justin
1: oh i was just gonna say like the other thing is like
4: uh i mean this has been covered in other places but uh you know, all all like the developer and landlord money that came into the race wasn't really like covered that well by the media, like definitely like, you know, the mainstream like Seattle Times media. Yeah, And I think like, you know, progressive, you know, all the progressive outlets in Seattle kind of did us a disservice too. Um, because we built kind of this weird like left coalition with like, uh, you know, we got like uh, urbanists, we got like progressive Dems, we got your socialists. You know, we got this like hodgepodge of like activist groups, which pretty much like all endorsed like uh, the same three candidates. we all, all well and good. But it's like, uh, you know, for for years, like, uh, you know, like, uh, for example, like the these urbanist outlets have been saying, like, we got to be nicer to developers. You know, we got to write this puff piece where we get a quote from uh, this developer who wants to provide us with more housing. And mm-hmm. so like when the developers kind of like poured all this money into, into these races, we were caught like a little bit flat footed and there wasn't much of a reaction. And to this, I <laughs> I blame our like local Seattle politics, you know, spectacle, you know, of a bubble uh for, for not covering it that well and like not preparing us uh for this moment politically, and you know, I would say. You know, we we could use like a better better media outlet or coverage. Well, that's why Undivided has created a Patreon
1: uh,
3: (laughs) that
4: you
2: can join for $250 a month.
1: That money certainly didn't make the splash that Amazon made two years ago, which did get coverage um, and did probably, at least to some small degree, um, help the sort of, you know, progressive slate. Um, yeah, I mean,
5: like, they think there were bit. only what, like two chamber candidates out of seven who um, won their races that year. in twenty nineteen. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a
0: lot of people were voting not for our candidates, but against Amazon. Because yeah, so, it was again, making I-
5: national news. And, you know, they d- had like a one point five, I think, or one point four million dollar donation to the chamber, like maybe yeah. like three weeks yeah, before all the election. And yeah, election. yeah. No, I mean, and I, that, yeah, that I mean inspired like Bernie, the text yeah. for like, yep. people like Sean and everything. Now, that being Ela's said, a-
0: I mean, Bernie text banked for Lorena and yeah. that obviously yeah. didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> I saw
1: that. but yeah, well, I think there
0: that was, there was a you
1: know, yeah. go on.
0: I was just going to say, I think obviously the media, you know, saw the uh, mistakes in their actions last time, which is that, oh, instead of talking about it, which is going to hurt the candidates we want to win, let's just not you know yeah. um why yeah i think on, 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 it, the,
5: so. on the on the funder side too i think that they were just a lot more discreet about mm-hmm. um about right. funding too like yeah. amazon yeah. intentionally made it a huge aggressive spectacle too you know they mm-hmm. weren't Absolutely. trying to discreetly mm-hmm. fund it um yeah, that, but, they, but i
1: think they were it, doing pr you know like they yeah in 2019 exactly. like so now the money came in this was a more normal american municipal election the money yep. was discreet. You didn't talk about that stuff. And largely no one gave a shit. This wasn't yeah. uh, the 2020 primary and the 2020 election that had people really like engaged for various reasons. It wasn't the uprisings of 2020, which I think are connected to the, the primary season uh, a small amount anyway, which again had people very politically engaged. I think people you know, we're burnt out and we're not going to pay attention to this shit. And there was no, yeah, there was just no prevailing narrative for them to latch on to either. Well, maybe we should uh, move on
2: to our other uh, big race of the bunch.
0: Yeah. So, and I mean, honestly, I, I thought this was the race that would have the largest margin, but I was totally mistaken in that. Um, so Nicole Thomas Kennedy, mechanical freak endorsed, um, got 120,000 votes with 47.53%. And Ann Davidson got 131,000 votes with about 51% of the vote. Yeah,
1: it's a tight Four points.
0: Four points. Yeah.
1: God damn it. This is the one I really cared about. Um, if you missed it, go back and listen to our interview with Nicole. It's great. Uh, Nicole Thomas Kennedy ran a based and admirable campaign. Um, and in the end, I think considering her outspoken and like well articulated abolitionist politics for a what is partially a prosecutorial role uh, and the fact that she uh, like lustfully advocated for the firebombing of police stations online. (laughs) Um, Considering all that, she did pretty well. I mean, four points. So when I say that this was a ref, this whole thing was a referendum on 2020. I I think that is true, but I don't think, I don't think the news is all bad because the fact that, she was able to get running on the way she, the way she was running on literally not prosecuting most misdemeanors, not prosecuting crimes of poverty, saying that aloud with abolitionist rhetoric, and getting uh for what what do you say 49%, forty nine percent 47.5.
0: yeah forty seven
1: and a half percent uh that's pretty good. Uh, there's also the fact that. This race is this is the act this is a weird race for Seattle. This is more like what you think of national politics being like where you have a left candidate and a right candidate and that she was running against a Republican, an actual Trump Republican. So the fact that she was endorsed by all of the Democratic parties locally, all of the legislative district parties, um, I think is you know, is good is cool that they did that uh for this abolitionist candidate. On the other hand, I think part of it is motivated by the fact that they, they were always going to endorse against the Trump Republican, but it's still it's still uh, it's also like a race the type of race no one pays attention to. So I think like at the end of the day, a lot of people like fill in the bubble Bye. on that from the paper they read and so I that's think either this the is, stranger or the times you know this race easily got the most media attention though so yeah, yeah, yeah. granted in a regular season
2: i would say yeah. this is the race nobody paid attention to but i would venture guess that probably uh this is the race that your average person who voted in this i mean granted probably still knew
1: nothing about but knew the most about yeah yeah, yeah.
0: right yeah. and i think which, that you which know you could
1: tell from the doors when you knocked well, and I mean, you know. quite
0: frankly, again, I think that this just like these three races looking at them side by side, it's just voters like simple choices. And when it mm-hmm. is between a Republican and a Democrat, it is easy. When it's between two quote unquote progressives, that's when it makes it more difficult for us to sway that sort of voter. And so I think and that, you know, enough. just like how I said, you know, does Tina Podlodowski like that she was hosting a canvas shift for, you know, NTK? Absolutely not. But I think that a lot of Democrats held their nose and voted for her because of who the alternative was. Where with Nikita, they were happy to vote for Sarah. And with Lorena, they were happy to vote for Bruce, you know.
2: Tina, you are called out. <laughs> I mean, uh,
0: not well, fair.
2: what do you get? What do you? <laughs> what do you all think of? Uh, kind of getting to Jess's point earlier and kind of bringing some points together here. NCK, I thought was the most forceful, clear, and unapologetic about her politics and position. Hundred
1: percent, and yeah. I think 100%. that actually is yeah. appealed to a lot yep. of people as I, well. I'd like to think that. I, yeah. I was going to say I would love to believe that that is the case. I.
0: I, I love to I, I believe will, that I is the really case, do believe that, I, yeah, I think that I, I, a lot I, of voters just, they don't, they don't pay attention to policy. It's more about. Well, yeah, I just, admit, when, like,
2: when people would ask, so in these million newspaper articles, or if they played a clip of her on Tucker or whatever, uh, it was very clear what her position was on everything, even when they were, you know, just trying to take things out of context or whatever <laughs> uh, it was all pretty clear like what MTK's right. N- position was every sort of way. She, it was not wishy-washy in any way no matter how you imbibed it and I think that people like that
1: no that's yeah. true every time someone mm-hmm. tried to run a hit piece mm-hmm. it came out of the fucking news box as a campaign ad Yeah, for
0: right Nicole yeah.
1: because they were just saying her actual politics and policies and plans which sounded so fucking outlandish and insane to conservatives, you know, to your mm-hmm. law and order types that they could just say them straight. And it would be so The the Tucker Carlson, Jason Rance drop like that was basically yeah, it sounded Nicole, awesome. like retweeted that and ran on it. You know,
0: no, and I, and they, I they really he- laid out
1: her her beliefs like in a simple, quick way that like made sense to some degree, you know.
0: And I hear that, but I just think that Mm -hmm. like if Nicole would have been in a race similar to Nikita's or similar to Lorena's or, you know, like if she would have been running against Pete instead of Anne, like we probably would have seen a similar margin to the other candidates. But the reality is, is A... NTK is based and B and sucks. And so I, I mean, I think those things together Mm -hmm. is why we saw such a close margin. And again, I totally hear what you're saying, Munya, like with what you said for Nikita's race. And I think the same can be said here that like, you know, uh, even given the who, who turned out, like, it would have been possible to win. But I do just want to highlight, I mean, when we have a 4% margin, that's something that could have been made up strictly by knocking doors. Like, that is possible. And, you know, the reality is, is, like, look at Bernie in Iowa. Like, they had one of the most insane door-knocking operations ever, and they barely won. And so mm-hmm. – you know, just because Nikita or NTK had good field programs, like, that's awesome, but we need to have, like, not just good field programs, like, insane field programs where, yeah, it's not just, like... Knocking doors for a shift, but like knocking like doors for like six shifts and, you know, getting people's yeah. like it, the it's, feel of the
4: operation that socialist alternative is going to have in yeah. district three for yeah. Shama well, yeah, I you hope going so. On Shama no, what I mean,
0: Shama's no, Shama is a great example too. Look, she barely fucking beat Egan Orion with an insane field strategy. Mm-hmm. And Egan Orion was a shit candidate. And so, again, it's like yeah. when we see these super small margins, like it sucks, but the like we can win these races absolutely so i mean
1: you know i think it's easy to say that it's easy to lay the amount of field work at the feet of the candidate or the campaigns but maybe there's a a step back that we can look at this from which is to say that you need some other kind of organized base to exist so that you can execute that right. kind of field on right. Yeah.
0: Right. yeah. And well,
1: some level of organization, some level of community politics. Now, on some level that at least to some degree, that is partially what um Shama has brought historically, that has helped her win with an outstanding field game is she's brought to the table an organized political party of uh like um fanatics, you know? Yeah, that, absolutely. Like,
0: yeah.
1: And that that's a strategy. That's like that didn't, it's not it didn't start with a campaign. When Shamo first ran was or was first elected or the other fucking three, you know, the three times that she's been elected, it didn't start with a campaign. Uh it started with an, an organized national and especially local right. political party.
5: Yeah.
1: And that I think should be instructive that at some point, like being like these, being a leadership figure, having, you know, a history name recognition in the comput- community, it's not enough. You need some kind of organized. Uh, Absolutely.
0: Of yeah. And I mean, even when Shama's not campaigning for office, they're campaigning for, you know, whether it be rent control or the Amazon tax. Yeah. And, you know, not only does that always keep them, you know, involved and active with their community, but also like. Let's be real. It's they're always list building. They always have a sign up sheet everywhere they go. And well, I know they
4: care I, about power. And I yeah. know that yes. sounds dumb.
0: <laughs> I know that sounds dumb, but at the base of organizing is list building and I am telling you mm-hmm. they have the best email list in the game they yep. have like that is why they win and so again you know we can say oh we got this many volunteers to knock this many doors cool but like what are we doing with that you know like mm-hmm. uh, what what is Nikita doing with the list that we've built on this campaign I mean maybe they're going to do something awesome or is it just going to sit there you know and so those are the sort of things that you know Shama like they are constantly list building community and like coalition building like regardless of if they're actively running a campaign or not well and
1: when you say they are doing this you're not just talking about shama the no, candidate yeah, the council person right. you're talking about a group so, of political like cranks who are united in a fucking party who are bent on domination and, and
0: yeah and so i mean good.
1: that rocks i mean yeah. that's how they're doing this it's not just it's not just a candidate and their tiny paid staff it's a large group of weirdos who are willing to like dedicate their life to this shit to in some kind of you know uh a uh, plot for power
0: right and so I mean like when Nikita was like at the forefront of like a lot of the protests and organizing that was going on last summer you know that's huge but the reality is is and you know I'm not trying to say this was like just a viral moment what they did was extremely important but like the reality is, is unless you were at those protests or unless you're on Twitter like you probably don't know about those things and so like you can't just count on these sort of viral moments to to build the, the campaign yeah. for you now if they were doing what Shama did which was when they went into City Hall and this whole thing happened, I I can guarantee you that there were SA people with their sign-up sheets, getting everybody's name that was there, so that all of them can volunteer, donate, and be involved in the campaign. So that again, like that base was already being built before this thing happened. You know?
2: Yeah. Well, and I yeah. think this is sort of what I meant about say you know my comments about Nikita and saying that we're sort of adrift and leaderless, is that. No, there is no successful project on the left in America that's doing what you're talking about, Cassie, which is actually building a political organization. Right? There yeah. is people doing things that they think people did in the '60s because they saw it in a movie. <laughs> there's people who are mad individually at home, but there's not, you know. Uh, and this is, you know, this isn't just criticism of any individuals; criticism of the left in America as a whole. There's not a lot of actual like political organizational building because that shit sucks. Yeah. It involves yeah. hard, boring work that nobody likes. It's less fun than being a crank on a podcast. It's less fun than yelling, you know, uh, from a, a top of box across a park at people. Uh, but it's what you have to do. You got to take names you got to involve yourself in people's lives you know all that kind of stuff and and uh it's just not happening and that that's that's a big part of i think this elect that's a big background part of this electoral story
4: well like in seattle there's like you know 50 100 however many like activist groups and yeah. like a lot of them are like territorial don't yeah. like each other yeah. like don't want to like all work Together on the same thing. And so even in like this election, yep. you have, uh, you know, like Nikita Oliver and NTK. I mean, I was pretty much just working on uh, Nikita's campaign, like doing phone mix and canvassing and stuff. But, uh, you know, like uh, if we were, if we had our shit together better, like we could have said, hey, let's uh, run a slate. Of yeah, candidates. like New York like, does. let's yeah. cooperate, yeah. Yep. you know, let's... Uh, mm-hmm. Let's uh, canvas for all three, or all—you know—both of these candidates at the same time. Absolutely, uh, yeah. arrive at you know these decisions democratically, but or uh, or even know.
3: like you know, like building up your like political base in political party and then like mm-hmm. you know choosing to run someone out of that you know mm-hmm. political yeah. base too yeah. you know yeah. um, yes I think it yes. also goes to a larger point of how you know labor is just not organized in the same way capital is especially in Seattle but all yeah. over yeah. the US as well I mean these forces are what really control um, you know local elections and national elections as well um, capital super organized um, you know puts in a lot of money and spending. Um, you know, organizing labor and then radicalizing that labor is, um, you know, a, a big key component there, too. And that's something that's also getting worked up from the ground yeah. up. So, you know, a yeah. combination of lack of real political organization plus like, you know, um, labor that is like starting to resurge, but not in the same way where it can, you know, take on, um, you know, highly organized capital um, is 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 tough. And it's something that has to be done, I think, in order for the left to seriously win.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Capital's so good at putting slates together. They created two parties for doing it, you know, so. Like, <laughs> cool. But yeah, yeah I, mean, <laughs> I mean, to Justin's point, I mean, coming from a, a backwater city to Seattle, you know, Seattle has this characteristic that I think is actually very standard in large American cities, which is you know, yeah, there are 100 uh, political organizations or projects or coalitions or whatever you want to call it in Seattle comprised of exactly 101 activists, you know? It's like, yeah, you know, that that's not a political project. That's just people being cranks. That's just people being weirdos, you know, on the side. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what the answer to that is, uh, how, to, well, how to break us out of this malaise.
1: Well, to synthesize like what we took away from this, I think is... The things that we think are good and might work are a an ongoing uh organizing force of peop bringing people together and a based candidate and campaign that's very clear about things and I think that makes sense because I just described Shama Want, the person the <laughs> fucking uh red mm-hmm. who's won three times in this town um has put those two pieces of the puzzle together. Um, We're going to, you know, we're not going to talk too much about the upcoming uh, election featuring Shama Swan today, they we're going to save that for maybe next week because that's uh, a horrifying spectacle that's Uh, about to go down. Yeah.
4: September 7th, volunteer, go to a canvas.
1: Get out Uh, there. Do a Shama
2: Shama journey. Help out Shama.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Um, We'll talk about that when Shama comes on the show
1: to discuss
0: it. (laughs) We're manifesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, soon. <laughs> yeah. We're manifesting.
1: Surely. Um, surely. Like, maybe to, to, to end the Seattle talk. Like, I just want to say like the big winner here really is Ann Davidson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the Trump Republican who yeah. will now be the city attorney. Who has no uh, gets real to go from,
3: <laughs> experience yeah, either.
1: Yeah. And also ran fucking like two time loser. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who's just like a conservative corporate lawyer shithead. Uh, now gets to rise from that to become the tough on crime warrior in the socialist hellhole of America's nightmares. My question then is Will she stay the course of her late campaign and try to like downplay her conservative affiliations, if not her pathologies, which were like very much on display in this um, uh, race? But like you can do that in progressive Seattle as long as you like it's amazing she got elected as a Republican, but she was trying to downplay that. Um, and no, no fucking media would mention the R word. Um, or so will she continue on that course or will the siren song of conservative media prove too strong a call? Like, I really want to believe that she will shortly end up as a semi-regular guest on Tucker Carlson that like, she will be there going like, I'm in this, I'm in this crazy city, man. It's fallen apart here. And the city council is, you know, crazy and they want to like you know, make uh, tent cities permanent and in, in the middle of intersections and they want to shoot up your children uh, with heroin and fentanyl. Uh, I want to believe that like, just like Spog and Mike Solon, like she will refuse to be anything but like deliberately and willfully ignorant to the fact that the new mayor, Bruce Harrell will be very much on her side. And actually another big winner here because he also wants to push the fucking homeless into the the sea, into the Puget Sound, but now has a fucking totally independent arm of the city government to, like, he- do that for him. One which he may even, in some instances, be able to distance himself from with yeah. some credibility because she's a oh, fucking yeah. Republican. Yeah, Like, this is a fucking win for him, too. Yeah. Uh, he gets... He's got... Uh, the biggest city department, the cops and an independent fucking branch of the government, the city attorney's office to prosecute crimes of poverty, like with a fucking vengeance now. And he can back them up in any ways he needs to, but also at points go like, well, you know, I don't know about this Republican city attorney. If he, if he feels like it, like if he needs to mm-hmm. recover at some points, uh, that's the horror we have to look forward to. I'm um, maybe the silver lining is it'll be really funny to, uh, if we're lucky enough to see like her literally go on Tucker Carlson and be like a Republican and like sell out Seattle as like this shithole she's trying to save, um, and just like let all the Seattle progressive voters who cast their vote her way just fucking eat it. But I don't know if that's even going to happen.
2: Well, and I think to get back to the point we talked about briefly last week when uh, there was the whole thing in the New York Times out. Uh, Ann Davison, uh, things have gotten so crazy. The parties have gotten so polarized. She went from being a Democrat to Republican. And our argument was, no, it's just that barrier has always been paper thin in the first place. Right. And I I think everybody going to vote for her because they're like, "Mm, I don't like the homeless, does show that the barrier between the average median Democrat and a frothing at the mouth MAGA Trump Republican is uh, one ounce of discomfort. Uh, It's just paper thin. You know, yeah. they're yeah. all Trump Republicans waiting to be born. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, no, and I, I mean, you know, we know this, but these seats were mm-hmm. nonpartisan, and so the reality yeah. is, is they can just claim that you know mm-hmm. they're all on the mm-hmm. same team. It's sure. just oh. let's go Seattle, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: and it. Yeah, and undivided exactly. exactly, undivided. Let's exactly. go, Brandon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, as
1: Colin would say, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> cool.
2: <laughs> um, Can we hear uh, what happened in the rest of the state, perhaps? Just get a little rundown.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, a lot of these are races that, again, we covered in our um, Washington sucks voters guide episode with Kamau. Um, but so one that I know y'all would be interested in is in Bothell we actually got two of three abolitionist candidates elected.
1: Whoa. So nice.
0: Time, time to move back to Bothell, I guess. Oh Yeah. Back yeah. To, yeah we thought about uh,
2: running a mechanical freak Slayton Bothell. Maybe that's what we should work yeah. us hey, on Let's is. go. Should,
1: that's a good call. Colin and I should uh, run as favorite sons yeah. of Bothell. As, yeah. as one single
2: candidate, though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. <laughs> we'll um, we'll a point for who gets to be, like, mayor and who gets to be deputy mayor, you know?
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it's then like, it'll be like
1: the end of uh My Fellow Americans, you know? No. When James Garner like tricks uh Jack Lemon and he like bends down to pick up a coin because he's such a cheapskate or something. And, We're and, all know, looking
3: like deer in the headlights right yeah, now. I have great, no idea. A uh,
1: nineties uh politics movie.
2: American okay. politics uh, is so no. great. And, I only know uh, about swing vote with Kevin Costner.
1: So oh, that sucks. Oh, no, that's a 2000s cool. uh, yeah. <laughs> politics movie.
0: Okay. So next up um, in Linwood, they elected 21 year old Josh Binda, um, who is the youngest black candidate in state history and is also uh, was like involved in the BLM protests last summer. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then we also a big win here at home in Squim is the QAnon City Council all lost their seats.
3: Oh, let's go! Yeah. Yes, so yeah. nice.
0: all of the incumbents are now big losers. They are now
5: agents of the deep state.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry, we're all part of the yeah. I'm gonna cabal. miss those cats. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now the the <laughs> is other that Sully mic- I hear. Yeah, Sully's being. Hi, Sully. A terror. Sully. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, he's he's just celebrating the win for sure. But uh, yeah, so all the incumbents lost, and the other the new uh-huh. progressive slate won with over seventy percent of the vote. Um, so now, so the only one left is the QAnon mayor, Bill Armacost. He is not uh, up for re-election until twenty twenty three, I believe. Um, but now he basically has no power. He is uh, it's six one with him being the one. So. He's just chilling mm-hmm. for the next two years, I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, until Ooh, the... Uh, it, it, until the... Was it the... Everybody gets rounded up? What what they call that shit again?
1: What? The plan? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, the, the plan. storm. The storm? Yeah. Yeah. The storm, yeah. Until the, until no, the, the storm comes storm. Yeah. and right. clears
2: out the, the city council, the heretic city council.
5: The pedo-sicko city council.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, all the politicians, all the pedophiles which in some case are the same
1: thing, yeah. you know, they're all going to be gone. Exactly. You know, I think this shows the political power of your small town becoming a national laughing stock for a few media <laughs> cycles, yeah, yeah, um, and that's about it. That's the only lesson I can draw from that. So, anyway,
0: well, the one thing that people are trying to draw from it, which I don't know if you remember, but um, Clallam County was deemed like I think they called it like the bellwether county, whatever the fuck that means. But basically, like we're the only county in the country that has ever always voted for who wins president if that makes sense
1: wait seriously
0: yeah we're the only county sure, sure. ever so like yeah. we voted biden trump obama obama like etc you know what i mean sure. and so people I mean, do all the
1: way back to george washington
0: i mean yeah <laughs> allegedly uh, no but like i so <laughs> a lot of people do take like, they're interpreting these results as, like, what does it mean nationally, sort of thing? Because allegedly, our electorate, like, um, you mm-hmm. know, it, 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 hit, curve. it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
2: 1,000 years of Biden's reign is what yeah. I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Um, A couple other wins to close things out. So in SeaTac, where uh, similar vibes to Squim, which except, you know, here in Squim, it's very rural Washington and SeaTac is a minority uh, majority city. Um, But that being said, the uh, city council was like very Republican, uh, very white business owner vibes. Um, But not only that, but I guess several of the incumbents um, like there's quote unquote evidence that they may have attended the January 6th insurrections. I don't know what that means. Um, But yeah, uh, so they all got beat. Um, So Iris Guzman, Jake Simpson, and Muhammad Egal all beat those QAnon people. Um, And then at the Bellevue School Board are the other Greg who said, you know, that God might be a racist um, because of like hormones or whatever. Um, He (laughs) lost. Bellevue Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he lost. So, a loss for the podcast, but we will be what about the,
1: what about the school board race? That is the school board, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, oh wasn't <laughs> oh it was his wife that had said the even cooler things is that it
0: uh so, so there was two races, um, so yeah, I think that his wife said a bunch of stuff, but like there was also where like another candidate said stuff too. I don't know. It's it's a mess out there, but both of the both of the bad candidates lost. So, oh bummer! They were yes. fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is the
2: best way to describe Bellevue, though. Yeah. It's the best out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I
2: mean, their most important candidate, Bruce Harrell, did win a mayor. Yeah, election, no. So. so I
0: mean, they <laughs> no, they got a huge win for sure.
2: <laughs> Big win for Bellevue.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. And then even though Seattle obviously dropped the ball with the council and attorney races, uh, our progressive candidates Hamdi Mohammed, uh, Ryan Calkins, and Toshiko Grace Hasegawa all won their Port of Seattle races um you know they're not they're not socialists or abolitionists or anything super exciting but you know having decent candidates in those port uh positions is definitely good um just to
5: skirt the maritime law i'll tell you yeah that. exactly
0: yep. yeah no we need that yeah um And then in Bellingham, two initiatives passed that are pretty cool. One of them uh, bans police from using facial recognition, and then another one prohibits city funds from blocking unionization. Um, So I guess that was something that was happening and no longer will be happening, which is good. Um, and then personally, I just want to share that, yeah, you know, in our first election cycle of organizing with IUPAT 116, we unionized 18 campaigns and wow. we won over $17,000 yeah. in back and owed pay, Um, which it's really sad that we had to win that. But I think it's, you know, it shows why. So, Go ahead.
1: So meaning when you say you won that, like you you had unionized campaigns that were owed that money but weren't going to be paid, the union had to take action to get that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, you know, and And not not to, you know, I'm not going to out any specific campaigns, but you know, there was specific situations where like youth organizers weren't going to get transitional pay and we made sure that the entire... What uh,
1: specific campaign (laughs) could you possibly be talking about? Oh, the one we just have a rule about never mentioning on this show, (laughs) that one? Great. Cool. Yeah. I just don't like to talk about these
0: things. Lots (laughs) lots, lots of campaigns have youth teams, but one one mm-hmm. of the youth teams sure. in particular um, wasn't going to get transitional pay, and we won that transition. There's Kenneth
4: Wilson's campaign. <laughs> that's you know, it. Right? Yeah, that's the, it. Those kids—they yeah. were all about the West Seattle Bridge. They really wanted to drive on <laughs> it.
0: Um, and then, so yeah, that was some of the owed pay. There was also some owed pay just around like stipends and things like that that folks were owed, and then also a lot of—I think around like ten thousand dollars in back pay um, was one, which was you know uh, we won. Uh, contracts and we were able to get the increased pay and stipends um, for workers dating back to their start date. Um, So big wins, big wins for sure. And uh, I I think that now we want to quickly touch on some some national stuff. Um, So uh, Munir, Justin, do you want to talk about the India Walton loss a little bit?
5: Uh yeah, yeah, sure. Um so India Walton, uh who is a DSA member, uh, ran openly as a socialist in the city of Buffalo, New York, uh won a primary in a pretty shocking way. Uh the a longtime incumbent mayor, uh, who was like, you know, just like the stronghold, like, you know, damn mayor of Buffalo, um, kind of lost this insurgent uh race against India Walton. and We um, talked about India, that when it happened on the show. Yep, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Yeah. We discussed it. And, um, you know, we were speculating on what was going to happen because the thing is, is like India Walton in the general was the only person on the ballot. So it was an assumption that it was going to be a lock, like whoever won the primary was going to become the mayor of Buffalo. So, I mean, all this time we've been assuming that, um you know, India Walton would be the mayor of Buffalo. Um, however... There was a little bit, I think that, um, you know, the establishment in Buffalo did not like it, obviously that India Walton was going to be mayor and, um, they ran a writing campaign for, you guessed it, uh, the loser and, uh, you know, former incumbent of the, uh, mayoral race. So, um, the Riden campaign was aggressive. Um, a lot of uh, big time um, Democrats in New York backed the Riden campaign. Um, you know, local figures in Buffalo did as well as in New York City proper did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – and, you know, on the other side, AOC, Bernie, and I think even Chuck Schumer endorsed uh, Mm -hmm. India Walton. He did. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why she lost. No. Well, the the writing campaign and the way it was successful was, of Mm -hmm. course, like, um, you know, business interests. Like, again, this is not just a Seattle thing, but, like, you know, like developers and real estate um, all over, you know – uh, cities and like even like post-industrial cities like Buffalo, um, you know, they basically like run the local politics there, um, and and they basically got they were able to get these rubber stamps, and because if you misspell a name at all, then you know yeah, that vote could be invalidated. So they run an aggressive writing campaign where they distributed these rubber stamps everywhere, which had the rubber stamp of the uh, candidate that they wanted, like, you know, the incumbent Ryden right. candidate. So and, um, you know, they uh, ran a very, very aggressive anti-India Walton and pro Raiden campaign to the yeah. point where, um, you know, India Walton lost in a fairly large margin yeah. to the Raiden. And, um, you know, I think that you know, there is a lot to unpack with how that went down. I think there's a lot to unpack with India Walton in general, you know, which is like fine. It's not perfect. But I think that we on the left were not really expecting them mm-hmm. to go to that length um, and, no. like, run a, a successful riding campaign. I don't think that has really been heard of before in, like, a big city election in recent memory at least. So um, it was – I think it does show the, you know, blatant, I think, divide of, I think, you know, like, center Democrats and, you know, people, like, actually on the socialist left. Like, you're not – the we don't have the same – Ideology have completely different interests, like uh, politics wise. And um, I think that was just showed right there, uh, which is, you know, it sucks, but in a way kind of refreshing because this is like, this is political reality. And like when push comes to shove, like for power, um, you know, they are going to do anything it takes to, yeah, you know, stop someone like India Walton to get into executive power like that. And it worked.
1: Yeah, and to, uh, to toot our horn, uh, I will remind us all that when India Walton won that primary, and we talked it about on the show, and uh, explained and that, you know, by all rights, it looked like she was going to be mayor, uh, I specifically caveated that that would be the case unless the New York State or lo- de- local Buffalo Democratic establishment... Mm-hmm decided it was worth it to get together and like go to the courts and make some other shit happen. And it was really in their hands to do that. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe the, uh, broader left, as you said, got caught off guard, but not mechanical freak.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, we're on point.
4: You know, the other weird thing is that, uh, the Democratic Party, like, voter database, like, Byron Brown was not the Democratic candidate, but he got to keep access That's to
3: the van, you know, oh the voter God. database. So no. wild.
0: That is- Everything. A, uh, the whole okay. thing.
1: The, all the, the real estate money came in. <laughs> they bought the judges, you know, they made all that happen, and they did the whole Democratic Party apparatus, like, kicked into gear, uh, totally fraudulently. Uh, but, hey, yeah. you know, that no, was, that I was mean, their power to do.
0: Look, you know, again, maybe Tina... Podlodowski didn't do that calculus and thinking that that was worth it here. But now that it's been shown that, uh-huh. yes, you can, you know, run yeah, a successful yeah. right in Canada against these insurgent socialist candidates. I mean, I would not be surprised if stuff like that starts happening across the country where, you know, yeah. we actually do well enough to get these socialist and progressive candidates through the primary. And then they're just, they're going to do all that they can to fuck us on a writing campaign. I mean, who would have thought like, that's just, yeah. yeah Might have done
1: it here. If it yeah, wasn't, that's wild. what I mean. And Davidson yeah. was on the ballot. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, but but even without Pete, Pete
1: Holmes, if it, if it was, or yeah, if it, if, yeah, if, like if
5: NTK was like running on a post, like like yeah, in a yeah. very high, like right. I'm not saying that yeah. that could ever happen, yeah. right? Because like you know Pete Holmes was running, but let's just say right that like for some reason NTK was running on a post, um, like, uh, and like Pete Holmes wanted to run again, like I can see them
0: right, in that like type the
5: of scenario. The calculus
0: know? may have not been that before, but I'm sure it's coming into those conversations now. Absolutely, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the blueprint's there now, right? And I think part of this shows the power of money in elections. Uh, We wrote for the Mechanical Freak website a pair of articles at the 2019 city elections talking about this issue, but this is also a very serious problem, right? When you're running elections, you're playing the boss's game, and the boss has control of the rules, they have control of the judges that will decide the rules, and they have all the money to buy everything they want, you know? And that is... Ultimately, one of those things when we play uh, electoral politics, we have to ask ourselves, like, there, there is a limit. You know, if there's a yes. limit to the amount they'll let you win. Yeah.
5: Yeah, there's you know. a reason why they want us to play in this sphere, for sure.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, that's why you need some ulterior ulterior goals besides, like, one ephemeral campaign. You need organization that lasts past one campaign.
0: Yeah, yep. yeah absolutely well Justin to close things out do you want to tell us about some DSA wins around the country
4: yeah no I mean I I think uh like the national perspective is very good like people are all doom and gloom because India Walton lost and uh we lost in Seattle but like there, there were some pretty nice wins um I was really excited about Richie Floyd yeah. in uh, St. Yeah. Pete, Florida. I know Roy's been um, doing
0: hard for him.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, I mean, I think DSA National has really been wanting to make more like inroads in the South uh, electorally. So it's like, you know, a super strategic race. Uh, Richie Floyd is basically like cadre, you know, in his chapter in Florida. Like, he's been a longtime member, super involved in, um, the fight to pass that $15 an hour minimum wage in Florida. And so like the whole campaign was pretty much like bottom lined uh, by, you know, DSA, um, you know, they had like DSA staffers, you know, hired on, you know, that they knew very well, like the political line uh, was in part like determined by, you know, like uh, DSA, like socialists, um, anyone like however, like 50,000 votes in a in a very close race so like i don't know i think that's something he won by less than a thousand of.
0: votes right
4: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i'm just saying
0: no I, like, but like you know, again i think that speaks to you know that's that's because of the work that they did it was going to be close yeah. right so i mean yeah
4: and I mean, this isn't just like, you know, they're doing a few canvases. They got 30 people. Great. No, it's like they're getting voter IDs. They're like, we yeah. need to hit this many IDs Absolutely. to win. And they hit their target. Knowing what you got to do to get amazing. the job
0: done. And yeah, I think, again, like... Being strategic with the races that we run, you know, of course, you know, of course, we were going to run people for these Seattle races and stuff like that. But the places that we're seeing these wins are, you know, maybe in the not as high profile of places, um, where again, you know, maybe it's less about being like a socialist versus a quote unquote progressive, but like, if it's a socialist versus a Republican or a socialist versus like a, a very corporate dem, like that's in these races where it can be decided by a couple hundred or thousand a thousand votes, like that's where we can win, absolutely. Make so. the
4: class struggle all super clear, yeah, clear too. Totally. Yeah. Nope.
0: Yep. Nope. Exactly. Yeah. Um well. Is is that it for tonight? Do we have any other wins we want to talk about, Justin? Or
4: uh, I'll I'll just say month of November. I'm sure you guys will talk about it more. But uh, yeah, let's let's get go Shama hard this for
0: Shama. Win. Yeah, because mm-hmm. our yeah, everybody yeah. Get out
5: there. we depend
1: on it. Yeah, but, uh, I don't
0: last want hope.
1: I, I don't want to live in, uh, through the end of that era. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, we'll talk more about that. In the future um yeah check us out on patreon guys uh let's get some uh let's get some more patrons in there as a let's patron get you get access going, to a whole other episode a week most weeks and you get uh access to the discord this week on the patreon we'll be talking about uh the possibility of our favorite carmen best uh heading up getting a big promotion to the uh massive army uh of new york city uh police department uh we'll be talking about um some satanic rituals we'll be talking about um you know the latest update to the uh alec baldwin killings um lots of good stuff uh (laughs) you guys want to give us a shout out for i did every justin did you hear the the chrisman ep of ending the myth I
4: did. It was so good. It was it's so fantastic. fucking great.
1: It's so awesome, you, guys. You
4: talked about uh, Benjamin the Beast Butler. That was fantastic. <laughs>
1: yeah, if you want to
2: hear uh, about the elections that could have been, uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> the political leadership that could have been, check out Ending the Myth, a uh, new episode out uh, yesterday, but you know, our, who knows what time is, <laughs> talking about our worst president andrew johnson with uh matt chrisman of uh hinge points of hell of presidents and of uh, i guess that 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 tiny sister show of ours you know it's nice to see <laughs> it's nice to see them come up you know in the way that mechanical freak has uh chapa trap house but
5: yes yes a rising tide lifts all ships and i'm yes. glad to see Chapel trap house you yeah
2: know, come up with us and, and as everybody knows we control the tides
5: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's us. That was us, people. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, you know, next
4: so, ending the myth. I expect uh, Adam from CumTend to be Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's going
1: yeah, yeah. to yeah. give us some um, early twentieth
5: century history.
2: Yeah, he has some real interesting thoughts about stock market scams in the Gilded Age.
5: So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, you know, some thoughts we on gotta, the gold standard get his and bi Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking, speaking of guests, speaking of guests, um, next week. Uh look for next Sunday. We'll have Richard White. Um oh, another awesome. amazing historian. Um one of the you know greats of um the Reconstruction and Gilded Age. Um is a professor at Stanford right now. Also published a book that inspired me and Brian to really even do this podcast called The Republic for What's It Stands. Um really, really great interview. So you know look out for that uh next week. Yeah. And and as always, just, you know, like the best way to get the word out is to just tell someone about this show, you know, so tell a friend, Yeah, tell a friend to listen,
1: tell a friend to listen to ending the myth, which if you're not doing right now, if you're skipping it over it because it's sa- it seems, you know, uh, too dense and historical or you're worried, you know, you're not reading the book, so you're not going to get it. Honestly, I'm reading the book. The podcast is better than the book.
0: <laughs> We're uh, correcting the book over right, and yeah. over
1: again. We're uh, correcting you it. You know, it's... Correct the record. Uh, the po- You know, Ending the Myth, the podcast is like, as you say, like kind of a survey of American history. Um, and, you know, Greg Grandin's uh, End of the Myth, the book, is is great, but it is more of a, um, like a... Sort of uh philosophical history of like uh American brain disease, it's a more limiting limited sort of topic, and the show's great. I love listening to it. It's you know full of all the great uh tidbits of American history and what makes this country so insane, as told by uh two of my favorite uh orators, uh Brian and Munya so uh check that out um and of course, yeah, definitely tell tell friends about that and about uh. Mechanical Freak, because you like it, so uh, I bet your friends would too.
0: Yes, and quickly I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the Freaks, and specifically the patrons, um, because I got a nice big old donation from Mechanical Freak towards Sully's surgery that we had last week. Um, He's doing really good post-surgery, we're just waiting to hear... What the next steps are for his cancer treatment, but again, I just want to thank you guys for your help, and that's where those Patreon dollars are going. So definitely yeah, subscribe. Solely's
1: yeah. health and well being, and to Brandy Cruz. Yeah, yes,
0: exactly. Yep. That
5: is uh, where the money goes. Two important endeavors.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So
5: and um, our
0: our small Lakola fund as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I only the show only pays for the Lacola that I drink during the show. <laughs> The other, my other ten daily cans, I pay for myself. <laughs> yeah,
5: uh, wow. you, Greg is really pulling himself up by his bootstraps here, totally. not taking any <laughs> yeah. handouts.
1: <No>. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, stay tuned for Patreon. I'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Yeah.